Does anybody have any prayer requests before we get started? Yeah, we lost a family. You know, uh, former mayor and Troy died yesterday. Yeah, I saw that in, on Facebook. Mr. Jimmy Lunster passed away. So, anybody else? Martha Brown's family. Oh,
and sent to Rome by Phoebe, according to Romans chapter 16, 1. Its author, uh, there's some debate on who the author of Romans is. I tend to believe it was Paul. Uh, if not Paul, I believe, not Romans, Hebrews, excuse me. Uh, Romans, uh, Romans is definitely a letter of Paul. But uh, Paul has been given credit uh, that he wrote much of the New Testament. Uh, and we'll get into those statistics in just a second. He's an apostle to the Gentile. He's called Saul. He was a Benjamin, Benjaminite. He was born in Tarsus in Asia Minor. He was a Pharisee educated in Jerusalem. He was a Roman citizen. He was a persecutor of Christians. He was converted to Christ on the road to Damascus, becoming a preacher and writer of the gospel and giving us our clearest concept of Christianity. According to the fact that if he wrote the book of Hebrews, he's credited with 14 epistles. If not, he's credited with 13. The theme of the book of Romans is the first in order of the epistles, doctrinally and as canonical order, and rightly so, for it contains the ABCs of Christian education. Until its lessons are learned, we are ignorant of true Christian principles. It is the very foundation of church teaching, and if we are wrong in understanding here, we shall be wrong elsewhere. The great theme is the revelation of God's wrath against sin and the righteousness through faith as the grounds of justification. Romans makes the whole world guilty before God and in need of salvation through Jesus Christ. The prominent feature is the long doctrinal section from chapter 1, verse 16, all the way through chapter 8, verse 39. God's method of dealing with Jews and Gentiles individually is uh, pictured in this doctrinal section and the relationship dispensationally is given in chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. Uh, 9, verse 1 through 11, 36. The statistics on the book of Romans is the 45th book of the Bible. It has 16 chapters, 433 verses, 9,447 words, 87 questions, 19 Old Testament prophecies, 4 new prophecies, 338 or 388 verses of history, 29 verses of fulfilled, and 16 verses of unfulfilled prophecy. So the book of Romans, I've heard it said that if there was one book that you needed to be successful in your Christian walk, and you could only choose one in Scripture, the one that needs to be chosen is the book of Romans. That's why I think it's very important for us to study the book of Romans. As Sarah mentioned last Wednesday night, it is great to study. And you know, David Stevens, me and him have talked a lot about this. And David has a hunger for God's Word. So he asked me, where do I start? I started him in the book of Romans. And he told me when he completed 
the study of the book of Romans that it was the right fit he needed to study and read what Romans had to say. So we're going to start tonight in chapter 1, verse 1. I've studied down through verse 17. May not make it that far, I don't know. Uh, but there's a lot to digest in these first 17 verses. And we're going to take them a verse at a time. Chapter 1, verse 1, and there's a lot to be said about this one verse of Scripture. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. If you look up the word servant in the Greek, the original text, it means bond slave. So bond slave is a much stronger word than servant. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's the thought here. He calls himself a bond slave before he calls himself an apostle. So a bond slave is the entire property of another. So Paul immediately recognizes that he is not his own. He recognizes that he's bought with a price. And he tells us emphatically who owns him in the following scriptures. Now, he calls himself an apostle. An apostle is a delegate, one sent with full power of attorney to act in place of another. The word apostle is found 81 times in scripture. So what Paul is saying is that when he went out on his missionary trips, whenever he planted churches, he was acting for God. In other words, he was taking God's place in that particular work. So, a lot of people call themselves apostles today, but there's very few apostles today. I'm not going to say there's not any, but I'm going to tell you something. An apostle is somebody uh, that don't just tread water. You know what I mean. He's a go-getter. She's a go-getter. They are out to do the Father's business. <coughs> The third thing that strikes me in verse 1 of Romans 1 is that he says he's separated. And I studied that a little bit. The word separated means to be set apart, even severed. So what was Paul severed from? From what? The world. The world, absolutely, but what else? Judaism. He was severed from Judaism. He, he absolutely, positively was separated from that. Okay, we're going to go to some scriptures here. So I want people, uh, let's start over here with Sarah. Then we'll go. If I, if I come to y'all in order, will all of y'all read? Okay. Sarah, grab Galatians 1.15. Gail. Acts 9, 15 and 16. Miss Helen, uh, 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 and 16. Deanne, Acts 26, 13 through 18. Pete, 1 Timothy 1, 11 through 12. So, according to what I studied in the fact that Paul was separated, he was actually separated three different times on three different occasions for different things. Uh, the first one that he mentioned is Galatians 1.15. He was separated in this verse of Scripture. Sarah, read Galatians 1.15. Yeah. 
But when he knew, but when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace. Okay. Paul emphatically states in Galatians 1.15 that he was separated before he was born. In other words, he had God's calling on his life even when he stood in Acts chapter 7 for them to stone Stephen to death. That's the first mention we have of Paul and he's called Saul. Right? So if you look at Romans or Acts chapter 7, it tells the story of how Philip or Stephen was stoned to death. And it says that the people who stoned him laid their cloaks or coats at the feet of Saul. Meaning Saul was in charge of the whole venture. So knowing him and what he had done for him to say that he was separated before he was actually born gives us a truth into who God is. God loves us when we're unlovable. God calls us even when we're wrong. God earmarked it. God had a plan. See, God has a plan for everybody. The secret to being fulfilled in life, the secret to having peace in life, the secret to being happy in your life is finding the groove where God made for you. I've tried it both ways. And I've been miserable before because I was not fulfilling God's plan for my life. So we see that he was set apart before he was born. Okay, Gail, Acts 9, 15 and 16. <clears throat> but the Lord said to him, Go your way, for this man is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Okay. Miss Helen, go ahead and read 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. <clears throat> Okay, so he was separated at birth. The second time he was separated was at conversion. Gail just read the account in Acts chapter 9. Right after he was saved, we know what he what happened to him. He was on, I, I say he found salvation in a sand bed. God knocked him off his high horse. And there on the road to Damascus, the other people didn't hear the voice. He's the only one. And Jesus called him out. He accepted Christ. And after that is what Gail referenced here, that God told them, there's a man named Ananias, that was afraid of Paul or Saul at the time because he had heard all that he had been doing. But God told him that this man right here has been anointed to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And then Miss Heaven talked about something very important there as well. Paul was talking about him being the chief of sinners. But that God's grace rescued him 
from being lost. So he was separated, not just at birth, not just at conversion, but he separated one more time. Deanne, you got Acts 26, 13 through 18. At midday, O king, I saw only way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goat. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things of which you have seen me, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Good word. Pete, read. First Timothy 1, 11 and 12. Verse 11 starts in the middle. It says, that confirms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which entrusted to me. I thank Jesus, Christ Jesus, our Lord. He has given me strength. He has considered me faithful, appointing me to, to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a prosecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Okay. He was separated at birth. He was separated at conversion. And the third time he separated is at his commission to fulfill the gospel. The end account that she just read in the book of Acts was the account that we have when Paul was in Rome standing before King Agrippa. Paul tells Agrippa what happened to him. He's, he's telling him the story of his conversion. Right? Is that what you read? He's telling Agrippa. Agrippa's the one that was almost persuaded. He came very close to accepting Christ because of, the Paul, of, the, of what Paul was saying in these verses of Scripture. But Paul goes on to say in 1 Timothy 1 that God's grace allowed him basically to be called into the ministry. So when he says he's separated, he's separated for his entire life is what I'm talking about. He's separated at birth. He's separated again at conversion. Then he's separated again at commission. So he lived a separated life. We got to... Huh? <laughs> now what was going on there for a minute? Okay, let's pick up. Any questions or comments on that? Yeah, didn't he call himself a blasphemer? He did. Uh, Pete just read that. Okay, now it, isn't it? Doesn't the Bible say that blaspheming is the only sin you cannot be forgiven of? It doesn't necessarily say you can't. In the sense of what he's talking about. He said he blasphemed because he was killing Jews. Okay. He was killing okay. Christians. Okay. 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 Also, at the time, he thought he was doing right as an upstanding mm -hmm. Jew. He yeah, he was. He was absolutely. He thought he was doing I mean, right. He wasn't doing it. He thought he was doing God's work. He thought he was doing God's work. Yep. He was convinced that's what he was doing. 
Verse 2. While he, he being Christ, had promised a four by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What is he talking about? He's talking about Christ had promised he was going to send the gospel by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Everything the prophets said in the Old Testament pointed to Christ. Amen? They pointed to Christ. Let's read verse 3. Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Okay, this is where we get into uh, the fact that Jesus was both 100% God and 100% man. Okay, the only reason he is called the seed of David is because of being born in the flesh, is what this verse is saying. According to the flesh. So, he was born of flesh and spirit. We know, according to the word of God, that the Holy Spirit came over Mary and planted the seed of Christ in her womb. So, his father is God, the spirit. His mother is Mary, the flesh. Spirit and flesh completely joined together and formed the great Christ. 100% God, 100% man. The book of Romans, friends, is deep and it's rich and it's beautiful and it proves Christ to the doubting mind. Verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. I looked up the word declared to. Declared to in the Greek is H-O-R-I-D-Z-O. Horizo. And it means marked out. Manifested to be God's son by a display of power. How do we know that Jesus is the son of God? How can we prove that Jesus is? is the Son of God by looking at the empty tomb. He proved it by the display of power according to Romans chapter 1 verse 4. Let's read it again. Listen. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead because he was raised from the dead that qualified him as the Son of God. Y'all don't shout me down while I'm preaching good tonight. Do you know what the word power is in the Greek? Anybody know? Ask that question. What is the word for power in the Greek? Anybody know? It's a word that's spelled D U N. I-M-A-S, dunamis, dunamis, okay, dunamis is where the root word where we get the English word dynamo, y'all know what a dynamo is, a hydroelectric power, which is a, it means water 
it's power produced by water. Okay? So what is the key component in hydroelectric electric power? Water. What they do is they take a, uh, the TVA was, they've got the monopoly on damming up rivers. If you go up uh, central Alabama, you'll see a succession of lakes all in a row. If they want to create power, they build a dam. The pressure from the water at the dam causes the dynamo to turn, if you will, which produces electricity for thousands of homes in central Alabama. So if you take the water out of the equation, all you've got is a dam. It's the water that causes electricity to come. On the other hand, dunamis, whenever it's called power here in Romans chapter 1, when we hear the word dunamis or power, what that means, it's, it's inherent power. It is a power that is capable of reproducing itself. Like a hydroelectric dam. You keep the water coming, you're going to keep electricity coming, right? If you are connected to the Holy Spirit, he is the water that makes the dam work in a spiritual sense. It was the Holy Spirit that went down inside a tomb. Glory to God. And Jesus' dead body was laying there. And the Holy Spirit, dunamis, inherent power, the power that is capable of reproducing itself, Breathe the breath of life back into those dead and decaying lungs and life came back to Christ. Proving that He is the Son of Almighty God. Amen. That's good. Let's read to verse 5. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So here in Romans 1 5, we see the first hint in the book of Romans that the gospel is for all nations, it's for everybody. The key component in anyone receiving anything from God is what? Grace. Hmm? What's the key component? It's got to start at the beginning. What is the key component to having anything done? It's in that verse of Scripture. Faith. Faith. It is faith that brings about these things. Let's read it again. By whom we have received, that's Christ, grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. You've got to be obedient to the faith in order for grace to work. What's obedience to the faith in, in terms of salvation? Well, first you've got to believe that He is the Son of God. You've got to believe He was born of a virgin. If you don't believe He was born of a virgin, you can't be saved. Because all that is is a man. He's not a man. He's the Son of God. So you've got to believe He's born of a virgin. You've got to believe that He died for your sin. You've got to believe that He was resurrected. All those things are necessary for your faith to work 
unto grace and apostleship. Verse 6. Among whom are ye also called of Jesus Christ? I'm not going to get through with it. I wanted to. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you through the whole world, throughout the whole world. For God in my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you in my prayers. I think it's very, very interesting that he used that phrase, that prepositional phrase, with my spirit. See, he that comes to God has to go to him in spirit. You, you cannot, you can't connect with God in your flesh. You cannot connect with God in your soul. You have to connect with God in your spirit. A lot of people have a soul knowledge. A lot of people have a head knowledge of Christ, but they must connect with him spiritually for him to change your life. So Paul was careful to say, with my spirit. Because that's how you touch God. Verse 10. Making request, if by any means, now at length I might have a prosperous journey for the will of God to come unto you. So he's wanting to go to Rome. He's wanting to see his friends in Rome. Verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So, Brother Eddie, grab Acts 15, 29. Miss <laughs> Jamie, 1 Timothy 4, 14. Sherry, 2 Timothy 1, 6. Jenner, Hebrews 6 and 2. Okay. Paul had what we could consider the fullness of God. Everybody agree with that? Read Acts 15, 29, brother. That ye abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication, from which if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well, fare ye well. Okay. Jamie, read 1 Timothy 4, 14. Uh, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Okay. 2 Timothy 1, 6, Sherry. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by putting on uh, putting on of my hands. Okay, Jenner, Hebrews 6, 2. Uh, instruct about cleansing right to laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment and God permitting, we will do so. So all three of these verses of Scripture right here mention the laying on of hands. Paul had a gift to impart spiritual gifts to other people. By the laying on of hands. Water spiritual gifts, well, there's nine of them. I'm not going to get into them tonight, but there's nine gifts. Uh, that's something, Miss Mickey, that we'll discuss when we talk about the Holy Spirit. There are nine gifts. 
And he had the ability, because of the fullness of God that he was walking in, to lay hands on people and they would receive gifts like he had. That's power, friend. That's a man that walked with God. Amen. That's why I whip my children too, because it says laying on hands. So. I've laid my hands on my kids too, but I didn't impart any gifts. At least they won't tell you that. Made me feel better though. Verse 13. Now I will not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was led hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. In the NIV it reads like this. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I've had among other Gentiles. So at this point, he's already reaping a harvest because of his ministry. And he wanted badly to go to Rome to see these people, but God was using him so much in other areas he had not made it that far. Verse 14. I am debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Uh, don't be offended with the word barbarians. Simply means this, anybody that he couldn't understand their language. So if Paul were to describe you and I with our English, we'd be barbarians. We'd be barbarians. Mm -hmm. So it's just people that he couldn't understand. Non-Greeks. Yeah, Non-Greeks. Non People that he couldn't understand. Uh, it didn't mean Jews because he could understand them. So it wasn't just, it was anybody but Greeks and Jews is who it was. So he couldn't understand them. They couldn't understand him. So he called them barbarians. Verse 15. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. In other words, I've got preach and I want to preach. Now we're going to finish up with 16 and 17. I did make it. I rushed through it. The reason I wanted to get to 16 tonight is because Sherry asked me a question about it. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power, there's that word again, of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That word again, dunamis, inherent power. Power that has the ability to reproduce itself. To the Jews first, and then the Greeks. Or you could replace the word Greeks there with Gentiles. It means it's very closely associated terms, Gentiles and Greeks. Uh, Ray, grab John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. Danny, can you get Psalm 118, 22? So, what is this? Why are the Jews mentioned first? Why does it say that the gospel was to come to them first? Chosen people. It's his chosen people. Okay, Ray, read John 1, 11 through 13. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. 
but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay. Then he gets Psalm 118, verse 22. This explains the Jew first and also the Greek. He came for everybody. Let's just let's just let's go ahead and put that out there. Everybody was eventually going to hear the, hear the gospel because it was God's plan. It was taken first to the Jews exactly because those were his chosen people. These two verses, these two references in Scripture, uh, John chapter 1, 11, 13, he came to his own, his own received him not. In other words, his own people. They rejected him. So, God took the gospel to the Gentiles after they rejected him. And then what Danny read, uh, the stone, the cornerstone, the builders rejected the cornerstone, basically. Okay? The builders, who were they? They're the Jews. The Jews rejected the cornerstone. And we know what a cornerstone is. A cornerstone is the most important stone in the wall. Is it right? You have an engineer type of job. If you don't lay the cornerstone, everything else will cave in on itself. So it is the most important component in a 90 degree wall. That cornerstone is the most important. So to, to say it like this, Paul converted some Jews, but Paul's ministry was mostly for the Gentiles. See, that's what God called him for. Because his own people had rejected him. And we need to understand something very important here tonight. That I was born a Gentile. I don't reckon I have any Jewish blood in me. I might. I don't know. Odds are I don't. I'm a high as 57. I love pork too much, man. <laughs> I'm a high 57. I got German. I got I got a Scottish and Welsh. I've got all that stuff. I've got Indian in me. I've got Dutch in me. I've got. I mean, we're just every one of us have different components that make us up. We're all not 100. percent I don't have my papers. <laughs> Anybody got your papers here tonight? We all can. We did. We did. We did. We all started. No matter what color we are or anything, we're all human. That's the only race there is, is human. There's not any other race. So we don't have a pedigree. I'm a little cur dog. Cur dog, yeah. So we're a plethora of peoples. I know if 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 memory serves me right, uh, the Stevenson family is mostly German. Uh, there's a story that, that I've heard told over and over again about how the Stevensons wound up in this part of the country. Yeah, Daddy tells that all the time, but let me say this. S-E-P-H-E-N-S-O-N is as British as it comes. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, it is. It is an English name. And I know they say, and I'm sure I got a lot of German in me. I can tell when I live there, I know I do. But anyway, Stevenson is, is a British name. Okay, I'll take her word for it. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, uh, anyway, the, the deal is this, and I was going to get to this in closing, is uh, even though there may be somebody here that's got Jewish blood in you, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is this. It really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things whether you're Jewish or not. Because from a spiritual standpoint, if you accept Christ as your Savior, you are adopted. Jesus said you're grafted into the vine. In other words, you become what you weren't. I was not a Jew, but by the grace of God I am now. From a spiritual sense. I was just seeing on the news today, it was either today or yesterday, that anti-Semitic behavior in the United States is on the uptick. Jews are being, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ostracized and they're being beat on the streets. Yep, they're, they're being. Oh, they, Asians are too, but they're Jewish are too. Yeah, but I just, there was a news article about that this week about the anti-Semitic uh, way that the Jews are being treated in this country, um, a lot of the people are supporting Hamas and when if you look at what's going on in the Middle East and you and if you look rationally and intelligently you see what's going on and we got people that put blinders on and think that Hamas is the good guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're killing people, their own people they're using them for shields just to drop bombs or missiles on Israel. They don't care about their own people. They'd rather their own people die if they could kill a Jew. And that's the bottom line. It's not about the land. It's the fact that they want all the Jews dead. I just read an article about that. Throughout history, other presidents have tried to make deals with them ever since. Israel became a nation. They have offered on more land, all kinds of sweet deals, and they always said no. Bill Clinton, an article I read, said they wanted their 15 minutes, and they said no, because all they want to do is kill the Jews. If they kill, care about their own people, they would be after China right now for, for killing and euthanizing and sterilizing the Muslims over there if they really care about their own people, and they don't. It's all about... We just want the Jews dead. And well, honestly, the Jews, when have they when have they not been persecuted in our lifetime, all the way from World War II up? It's the United States even treated them badly. I mean the only time the only time the Jews have not been persecuted basically was under the reigns of David and Solomon. After Solomon, that's when the persecution began because they turned from God. We know the story of Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Uh, the son of the son of Solomon was Rehoboam. Because of Solomon's sin, God told uh, Solomon that when he died, the kingdom would be split. That's another message for another day, another day. But the 
the conquest of the Jews began after Solomon died and the kingdom split to the two, uh, Judah and Benjamin and in the, in the ten of the northern kingdom. So that's where it all started and it culminated with them not even being mentioned in world history for 400 years between the book of Malachi and Matthew. And even since then, they've been persecuted. Well, you can, uh, it's a spiritual warfare, and you can even go back further than that when they were in the wilderness. Though. It's Satan guiding these people to attack them. Yeah. It's, it's about him wanting to get rid of them. The only time they haven't been persecuted in world history, like I said, is under the reign of David because he was so strong he was the strongest king in the world. Israel had everybody that rose up against them was annihilated under David's reign. Because of that, under Solomon's reign, he reigned in peace because David had stamped out all the opposition. It would remain that way if they hadn't sinned. We've got to understand that. The reason Israel is persecuted is because they rejected God. That's the bottom line. But they're coming back to it. And they're coming back to him in droves. And it's going to happen. So we're going to close with that. Uh, unless anybody else got anything. It's so interesting. It is so interesting. Uh, I love to study the Word of God. I love to read it. It is powerful. It's life-changing. Brother Eddie, dismiss us with the Lord's Prayer. The Lord, just come to you tonight, Lord. Just thanking you again so much for this day, Lord, that you've given us to come into your house, Lord, and study your Word. Lord, I just thank you for each and every one, Lord, that's willing to come into your house tonight, Lord. I just ask that you would just be with us as we go our separate ways this week, Lord. I just ask that you will bless us, Lord, bring us back in the next point of time. Just ask you, to, Lord, just to, all these ones that's lost loved ones, to Lord, all the ones that are on the prayer list, Lord, I just ask you to just wrap your arms around them, give them the strength that they need, Lord. We just give you the praise, honor, and glory for all these things in your name. Amen. 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 Y'all have a great week. We won't be here.